Welcome to Fandom Power. Landscape at Marvel Comics has changed a lot since the company's near bankruptcy back in the 1990s. And today, while the sales of physical comic books continue to decline, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has become the highest grossing film franchise of all time, having generated $22.59 billion US dollars at the global box office. And, while the MCU's feature offerings have been a smorgasbord of yearly blockbusters, the Marvel television landscape has been, shall we say, a little less reliable. Partnerships with ABC Studios and Netflix promise shows claiming to be fully integrated with the larger framework of the MCU, but, like a promise made during an election year, the actual results haven't exactly lived up to the hype. But then, on January 15, 2021, Marvel Studios released WandaVision, the first Marvel television series set well and truly at the center of the MCU. And for nine episodes that span the gamut from subversive to spectacular, viewers were treated to a superhero project like nothing else we've ever seen before. And as of this recording, WandaVision has been wrapped up now for two weeks, and today we're going to take a look back at the series and find out if it lived up to our expectations. All right, guys, episode. Uh... Seven. Breaking the fourth wall. Dun, dun, dun. It's 38 minutes long, directed by Matt Shakeman, written by Cameron Squires. Uh, this one's more of a modern family-themed episode. Synopsis, again, I just stole the Disney one. Monica plots a return, Wanda navigates unsettling complications, and Vision forms a new alliance. This one first aired February 19th, 2021. And it kicks off with a Modern Family-style camera interview, and it becomes really clear really fast. Wanda knows now what she's done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is the, uh, I'm taking a me day. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, as it progresses, again, the comforter she's covered up in, more yeah. hexagons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And comes downstairs, and the world is starting to glitch harder. Yeah, that's like, right. The now. kids are sitting there playing, I think, with a Wii remote, and it shocks back to an N64 yeah, controller. Yeah, yeah, And then eventually an Atari. Yeah, I caught that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And, and then they're just playing Uno. Yeah, I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> and as she's in the kitchen fixing her bowl of cereal, you hear the TV in the background going off. Thanks for tuning in to WNDA. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and kind of a easter egg here to note at the same time the cereal she's pouring is sugar yeah. snaps sugar snaps sugar yeah snaps. the snap so, the snap <laughs> yeah and darcy having been chained to the front of the uh vehicle that's in right the previous episode yeah and now inside the hex is now turns out to be an escape artist with the circus yes that's right yeah i'm not great at this gig i gotta be honest <laughs> i love the change from the pop-up dance to Circus, circus tents. It's a circus tents. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you two have ever seen it, but Wes, if you've ever seen, you, you remember Tent City. Oh my God, yes. Back in the day. Of course. Like the military is a circus and Tent <laughs> City is a real thing. 
very appropriate from our, our end of that. Yeah, for sure it is. The kids have some questions about what Uncle Pietro is saying, and Wanda tells them he's not your uncle. Oh, she does do that she too, does. yeah. She says he's not yeah. your uncle, don't believe him. And they're like, what do we need answers? And she's like, I don't have answers right now. I have no answers. <laughs> yeah. So she's kind of catching up with everything that's going on. She doesn't know so all is, the answers of what's... Is this her... Is this her? Is this a, a metaphor for processing? I think so. Yeah. Because after that, she takes a Nexus pill. Oh, right. Yeah, she yeah, pops yeah. pops one. And at that point, Agnes pops in. And she's like, yo, let's give your mom a me day. Why do we give your mom some me time? I'll take right, them off your hands. Right, right. And Wanda agrees. They go off with her. Um, it also kind of harkens back to, if we're talking about the tropes of sitcoms, back in the day, mom and dad always had the answer. But in modern sitcoms, so, there's yeah. a lot more, I don't know, let's figure it out. You know, there's a lot more admission nowadays. Whereas back in the day, mom and dad had an answer. It might not have been right. It might have been skewed, but they always had an answer. Right. It's true. And then we get to another one of the modern family style interviews and Wanda's questioning everything. And this time somebody from behind the camera says, do you deserve it? Do you think maybe this is what you deserve? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a director talking back. Yeah, and she's a like, producer you're not supposed to talk. It. You're not supposed to talk. Yeah. 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 It's like yeah. her false reality is fully broken. Right. Yeah. Indicative yeah. of someone else taking over. <gasps> what do you mean? At this point, we get a commercial for Nexus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Pill to, you know, help you with uh, multiple mental issues. But the there's side a... effect of fe- feeling your feelings, confronting your truth. Yeah, your yeah, yeah, yeah. And possibly even more depression. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to step Funny, on, though. Yeah. So this, this one... Th- you say this is the modern family episode, right? So that we're talking, we're in yeah. the two thousands now. This is, yeah. Is that, I guess it's been a while now. Is it, is it really in the two thousands where we started getting those like really crazy drug warnings on commercials? Do not take if you suffer from. No, no, that Consult was a nineties thing. Was that well, a nineties thing? Yeah. But, okay. I wasn't sure. But in, in terms of the show, like there are, only a couple of successful sitcoms in the last 20 years to choose from. So I was, I figured it was either going to be a big bang theory or a modern family or something like the office. Oh, okay. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. big, a lot the of big bang theory is probably a little too style. on the nose. Yeah. 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 But, uh, the Nexus itself modern is, family was uh, a good choice. It was sorry. The Nexus, the Nexus factor is pretty big into the comic end of it. Because yes. Wanda and Vision are supposedly Nexus beings. That's correct. Oh, okay. And further to the whole still having mutants on the table, Westview could be one of the Nexus points of reality. Oh. Which yeah. leads us down, of all realities. Which yeah. leads us down the whole multiverse road and possible gateways to bringing other well. people in. And in the Nexus storyline in the comics, John Byrne was in charge. And he started by making Wanda the villain of the arc. And then they wanted to oh, change wow. it, and he famously quit in the middle. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Famously quit in the middle of it. Yeah. 
also kind of funny to have a drug commercial in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, and it ties directly into how we modern modern ways of coping with PTSD or trauma or, you know, uh, um, and while they work for some people, it's it's just this sort of the common theme that, that doctors yeah. just want to throw drugs at the problem. A lot so of it is chemical. Exactly. And so it's the we've hit the modern version of dealing with our trauma now. And that's one of exactly. the, uh, one of the hallmarks of, of, uh, post-traumatic stress or chronic stress is the, um, pulling back and self-isolating. And so like, isn't Westview like the grandest, you know, way to self-isolate to, to tuck yourself away from the world? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A literal bubble. Yeah, quite literally. So after we get back from the commercial break, again at uh, Agnes's place, we see the bunny, which is the throwback to the magic show. Yep. And we get a name on him. is Senior Scratchy. Senior Scratchy. Now this could be mm. a comic reference to Agnes or Agatha's son, Nicholas Scratch. Oh. Could be. Okay. It's also a the Scratch is common reference in literature to the devil. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say money, a money reference. No, it's like uh, no, it's a it's a devil reference. Yeah, I think okay. in uh, the uh, is it I, Roadhouse Blues with friggin' Ralph Macchio, he makes the de- like the oh Crossroads, the Crossroads, Crossroads. crossroads yeah. He makes the devil with yeah, the devil is Mister Scratch or something in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I immediately hit on like a record scratch, like an interruption. Oh, oh scratch, yeah. <laughs> multi-tiered. Yep. And the kids pick up now. Agnes, I like it here. You're quiet on the inside. That's right. Again, saying something is not right with her. I actually did bite a kid once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we skip to outside the uh, bubble, and this is where the other reality rewrite occurs. Because they pull out this big space rover vehicle. Oh, that yes. That they think can go and push through. So Monica hops in and guns it towards the barrier. It doesn't do it. It starts climbing. Yeah. And eventually the hex starts eating it. That's right. Monica bails out and the hex repels this thing. Yeah. And when it lands on the ground, the front half has been rewritten to. Yeah. To like some like period a, truck a or, something. or something. Yeah. 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 So rewritten and existing outside of the hex. Can I just, can we just stop for a second and talk about that? Because in the Halloween episode, I probably should have talked about that a little bit more. There was that big setup about, you know, my guy's almost here. You know, we're going to go meet him. And then we get there and your guy, it's the government. You know, that whole missed opportunity thing yeah. there. Like, again, going, going back to the Reed Richards thing, I thought, you know, within the con. And as you say, Hank, maybe that's not a drop thing. Maybe it's a, it's a slow burn, long yeah. play. But in the course of the show, uh, like you played with our heartstrings on that one twice over and you didn't mm-hmm. pay it off. So like missed I opportunity. I intending to pay it off and then COVID got in the way. We don't even need to that see. certainly seems to be, I'll send the link to that, uh, the video of the interview I saw. Don't even it's need to see, you know, a Mr. Fantastic. Just mm-hmm. Dr. Richards, you know, as himself is enough to make you go, oh, it's real. Yeah. Like I said, they'll probably save. Yeah. If you look at the reveals that were in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or any of the other TV Yeah, yeah. There was nothing big. No, not really. You know? The biggest, for me, 
Now I checked out after season one. So the biggest, the biggest thing for me was the whole Tahiti thing. And I'm like, Oh, Tahiti. Yeah. Uh-huh. We brought it's a beautiful place. Yeah. And making the character an inhuman. I thought that could be, I thought that we we're going to go somewhere better with that, but. Well, that was just because if we make them in humans, then well, it's Sony way can't to use you. them. It's the it's only way, way for us to use the. There was a talk about you know those TV projects, and I don't mean the Inhumans television show itself, yeah, but yeah. were the Inhumans the 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 Marvel Studios you know answer to mutants before the yeah. the purchase of the company, right? No, much like the way that the uh, Chitari were supposed to be the Skrulls before yeah. they actually wrested yeah. the rights to the Skrulls. Right. From it's almost it's almost like Fox a racial back from Fox, way of yeah. saying mutant. Yeah, more or less. Kind of, yeah, mutie. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Sorry, Andy, we took yeah, we kind of went off the rails for a minute. <laughs> yeah, so the vehicle gets heave hoved and uh, yeah, yeah. Monica looks at it though and says, "No, I can make it." Yeah, and she, she does. At this point, pushes through, and they're yelling at her, "No, don't do it, don't yeah, do it!" Because she's been through that barrier twice already. Yeah, she's this, already been warned. Yeah. Yes. Monica, no. This is her third time through. We don't know what it's going to do to you. Don't yeah. do it. And as she's pushing through, we get a whole slew of voices from like her mom and Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she makes it through. You think if she had if she'd had her helmet on and intact, that she'd have gone through with no further uh, cellular changes? I don't think so. You think it would have affected think, her anyway? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And she comes out of it with her very blue eyes. Yeah, blue sometimes yellow. So, yeah, that's more where I was going with it. Yeah. So, also inside the bubble now, we cut back to uh, Vision and Darcy, who have left the circus. Yeah. but He he wakes her up right away. He does. (laughs) Because she's fully into her escape artist act, and it's like, whatever, we got a show to do. Yeah, yeah. But pulls her out pretty quickly, and they escape in, what, like a treat truck or something. Like an ice cream van. Yeah, 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 ice cream truck. That's a great, yeah, great analogy. But uh, as they're trying to get back, everything that can be is getting thrown in their path. Red lights, road crews. Was there like line painting or something? Yeah. Like, it's just ridiculous stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. Very cartoon-like. Yeah. And I love how they, I love how they cut to one of those interviews with Vision and then he just goes, wait, why am I talking to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he becomes self-aware. What's What makes that joke uh, in the van work even more is that they don't try to, like, you or I would just fuck this and just drive, drive the van around. around them, but they don't. They actually, oh, we'll wait, Yeah, <laughs> which gives them the time to have that the exposition piece. The conversation where yeah, Darcy yeah. kind of fills him in on yeah. pre-Westview. So you're, I'm a dead Avenger. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Okay, so maybe I went a little too dark there. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Yeah. In this time, Monica has finally made it to Wanda. Yeah. And they have a little bit of a conversation back and forth, and... She's like, don't let Hayward make you the villain. Right. And Wanda ponders, what mm-hmm. if I'm already the villain? She does do that. But good on Monica, though, because in an earlier episode, she's, she's imploring Hayward, listen, if she's, if she's the problem, then she she's got to be, be the, the solution. solution. Yeah, yeah. Well, all three of our B-plot heroes are kind of pushing the message like, She's probably involved, but she may or may not be at fault. Like Jimmy defends her when he's like when when Hayward yep. puts the negative spin on everything that's happened. And he's like, Well, that's not how I would say it, but that's factually true, I suppose. Yeah. Darcy is continuously arguing 
for in in her favor and and Monica does the same so all three of them are are doing their hero duty right outside of the hex no that's totally true and again at this point another you know could go either way moment Agnes shows up and removes Wanda from the stressful situation yeah absolutely so they go yep. off to Agnes's house and Wanda asks you know where's the twins like where's my kids yeah and she says oh they're Which probably is... playing in the basement yeah. So that is an allusion to, in the comics, there were times where her children would just stop existing because she wasn't focusing on, like, maintaining them. Yeah, she, they didn't so, exist when she wasn't in the room, ostensibly, in the comics. Yeah. 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 They were a literal plot device. Yeah, That's right. off-camera, they just don't exist. Yeah. So Wanda makes her way down in the basement. And everything is changing. You see the purple tones, yeah. the darkness, strange markings on the wall, which we later find out to be runes. Yep. And a strange book there. Yeah. Which, did they did the name drop it in this one? We don't name drop it in this one. Okay, it's but coming. we do find out what it is later. Yeah. I knew what it was the second I saw it. I was so happy to see it. Yeah. I knew exactly what it was when I saw it, and I was like, there's no way they're doing this. So is this the book that Caecilius stole from the library? No, that's the book of Cagliostro. That's a di- completely different book. Is it? Mm. That's the book of Cagliostro, study of time. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure on that because there was some discussion of whether or not this was the missing the book missing from book from the library. Yeah. yeah, there are a couple of famous evil books. The book of Cagliostro was one of them, uh, and this one, of course, turns hole. out to be the Dark Hole, yeah. which is basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, if the Necronomicon and a Nazi made a baby that was then aborted <laughs> and turned into a demon, that would be the Dark Hole. That's an interesting <laughs> way of putting it. Okay. Evil book. It's the evil of all evils. <laughs> yeah. It's the gotcha. MCU Necronomicon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I was so happy when I saw it. I was like, no way they're using that here. What do we think of uh, Agnes's house as being a lair? Well, Certainly leads to it. Yeah, what like, what that, does uh, that say about Westview? That well, underneath the, the surface, did something's she live not right. in Westview? Well, or did she invade the hex? Well, this is it. Like, I don't, I don't get it. But like, clearly, unless Agnes's house slash lair exists as an interdimensional space within an interdimensional space, that lair had to have always been there. You know what I mean? And they built a house around it. Well, I think with the transition of house to cave filled with vines... Well, this is it, yeah. ...sort of indicates that you're p- crossing a threshold of some kind. Did we, like, traveling downstairs, did we, did we go to some... Physically go to someplace else? Quite possible. Or are we still it's underneath the house in Westview? It's got a very TARDIS kind of feel to it. Yeah, 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 that's a good way of putting it. It's bigger on the inside. So as Wanda is standing in the middle of this room, though, we get the big reveal. Yeah. That indeed... She is Agatha Harkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely to finally meet you, dear. And then we, and we get, get that uh, bopping song. Yeah. We do. We get a whole Agatha all I love vignette, it. And it's in the vein of the Munsters. I love it. I, that To me, that was like, of all of the old-timey black and white shows, of the two, of the Munsters and the Addams Family, the Munsters has continuously been my go-to. I love it. So when you saw like that, the title card, which looks like the melting wax, I just, yes, it was perfect. I also think that this is some version uh, drink. Uh, Yeah. 
<laughs> um, I don't think it's Agatha all along. Well, I still, th- as I right, said, but I also think that might have been one of those dropped plates. Yeah. It's, no, it's very true. I'll say it again. Someone is pulling her strings. Yes, and then exactly. And now it might be even the fact that she thinks, like, because I mean, meta is now a theme. Like, we got to admit that's right. that that's she thinks that she's in control. Behavior. She might think she's in control. She says at one point, and I can't remember what episode it is. Uh, you were puppeting them. I just cut their strings. That's it might right. Be the yeah. Very last episode with Dottie. Actually, now that I think of it, I feel like but, that was a, on and, some and, you level. Know, so she sort of references is that like you know. She might just be gloating in this moment. She's got the power in the situation. I remember when I she said that it, more misdirection the first time around when she said that, and I remember watching it. And I remember going Ultron reference, you know, the Pinocchio, yeah, yeah. no strings on me, correct? You know, but then it's like, well, it's you know, someone's, somebody's, somebody's, yeah, yeah. It it's totally I'm, deeper. I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset we didn't get to hear more James Spader in this whole. I love that man. <laughs> Another reason to watch The Office then. Yeah. yeah so as our credits roll, we get treated to our first cutscene. Yep. And we see Monica trying to get into Agnes's house. Oh, yeah, that's right. Only to be stopped by fake Pietro. Yeah, um, yeah. Ralph. Yeah. He's like, Snooper's going to snoop. Snooper's going to snoop. And he pecks her, and her eyes go purple. And then yeah, we carry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of alludes Which, to his origins. Well, he's a he's a puppet, uh, you know, yes. ostensibly. But I mean, again, the question begs: Is he under Agatha's direct control? Sure, but again, is she under someone else? Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing, the fact that there's a post credits or mid or post or whatever. Yeah. That kind of indicates that the sitcom thing is over. Because for the next two episodes, it's all just MCU all the way. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yep. So like, oh, you thought we were going to stick to the sitcom thing? No, that's over now, dog. Yeah. Now, I mean, all of that sort of come tumbling down and the 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 illusion, as it were, which we've already decided was not an illusion, has now crumbled. <laughs> and things are starting not, to maybe get Maybe not laid. the illusion, but the pretense right and now things are starting to get laid bare it's like let's cut the crap and just talk about what we're actually talking about yeah 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 and i killed sparky too not a whole lot of exposition sort of between the two of them uh on this one about you know the the whole witch thing but i i remember watching this on the first time around thinking hell have no wrath like uh, a, a mama bear Right, and now mm. you've you've taken the children and you're basically hostaging the children. I thought, oh my god, woman, look out because you're in for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I just want to mention before we do any moving on that that song was number one on the charts for like a couple of weeks after that episode. Yeah, I think it's still in the top ten. Like that that song bops and people people started downloading. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So, a few Easter eggs out of this episode. Yeah, let's hit it. The kids' clothes in the opening scenes, their color scheme matches their Yes, yeah, it really, yeah, I, that I caught too. I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, in the opening credits, where we keep flashing to the name Wanda, 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 yep. that is a nod to the show Happy Endings, oh. which is relevant because the Russo brothers sure. were executive producers and directors oh, on Oh, nice. And Matt Shackman also <laughs> did some directing there too. Yeah. Very cool. One of the ones that flashes up, I didn't catch this one, someone online did, but uh, 
the license plate that pops up with Wanda. Yeah. The number that appears on it is 122822. Or it could be December 28th, 1922, Stanley's birthday. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. Never got that, but that's super cool. Yeah. Now I'm sad. Yeah. Well, how do you have a Stan Lee cameo without Stan Lee? That's a good way to do yeah. it. That's a really good that way. is a good. Oh, uh, sorry. Further to that, there's talk that Ryan Reynolds is going to start doing it instead as Deadpool. Really? Hmm. There, there's talk that Deadpool is going to. Be oh, interesting. Cameo. Have you heard this? The, is it a fan theory or a, some speculation that that he was supposed to be? Had he been alive, he would have played old Cap, and that all of his appearances in the whole saga were cap in the past have you heard that no i i have amazing that yeah absolutely amazing yeah Yeah. i think that's yeah that's what i heard wouldn't that have just brought it all home in a way you know that's an interesting one though because i actually really visually speaking my favorite one is probably Oh my God! It would be the library scene in Amazing Spider-Man where mm-hmm. he and the lizard are smashing the, the crap out of the library, and he's got the headphones on. But yeah. in terms of MCU continuity, my favorite one is probably—is it Ragnarok? Where he's got where the, he's uh, sitting there talking clippers. Ragnarok talking or the yes, so he's sitting there That's talking Guardians. to the Watchers, right? So Guardians, he's yeah. sitting there talking to the Watchers, and he's like, "And then I was a this, and then." is stanley a watcher to me that's that is perfect where are you going i got more stories yeah 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 i think my favorite while we're on this tangent my favorite one was captain marvel because he's sitting there he's reading, reading the script for Marvel. oh yeah yeah kevin smith went crazy saying that he was canon uh, mcu now yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyways did you guys catch in the intro scene that you know they show the calendar that you from the very first episode you talked about West August 20 uh August 23rd it's on the 10th in the intro scene oh i August missed 10th. that the date has changed i don't know if there's any significance so to that at all now we're looking Probably at 10 08 0810 so 8 810 would be the number or 108 108 mm-hmm. oh. uh i believe that the 810 the marvel 810 universe has some significance but i'm not oh my god talk about you want to talk about getting getting uh, bogged down in stuff here we go the mcu you're going to get a couple of things for the mcu there was talk about the uh, address of the house the 2800 address that that might have been a reference to the the universe that the show takes place in because in the comic books Wanda and Vision's address is 616, which, of course, is the main continuity yeah. Marvel universe. So is is Mysterio lying when he tells him tells us? Or that, tells yeah. That this is the 616, yeah. Is 810 the universe he's from? I, something like that, maybe. But when you Eight, look... Marvel Universe 810 has no significance. No 818 is the closest one. When you, when you look up what is the numerical value for the MCU Universe, it's like a bunch of nines. It's like 9199999. It's a crazy number, which it just was too much for me to try to figure my, it out. My favorite thing about that all is they, they made... The universe that we live in, where Marvel Comics exist as a property, we yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Universe one, one, nice. It's kind of cool. Did you guys catch the at the circus? The lady riding the unicycle, 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 look like Dark Phoenix. A little bit. 
Yeah. A lot of bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of bit. Oh, yeah. hang on. Mm. Earth TRN810 is a reality split from the MCU by a group of Chronicoms in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. That was one of the later seasons. The so closest thing I could come up internal with. Internal reference. Yeah. The closest thing I could come up with was the 2800 still could be a reference to a universe. And that's sort of that, uh, you know, that Westview inside the anomaly exists on a different plane of existence. That is its own unique space. Hmm. Yeah, maybe the hex itself. True. Yeah, it could be. Sorry, oh. Andy, we totally ah, stole it from good. you again. Uh, only a couple more here. Sure, sure. Uh, the possible Everbloom plant is yep. seen again mm. in this episode. Yep. Couple more here on the TV when they're watching that. They are currently watching Yo Gabba Gabba. Which Yo is, Gabba uh, Gabba. Relevant to the time period. Yeah. And again, when Agnes shows up to help Wanda out or pull her out of a situation, right. the delivery guy shows up, but it's the Presto delivery company. Yeah. Oh. Another magic word. Another magic exactly. word. Yeah. So. In, in the stylized Amazon logo. So they keep updating. Who oh, that's true. Is. That's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little subtle things like do that, you, right? Do you think the the delivery guy is Ralph? No. Or no, is Ralph, Ralph Boner Ralph? Ralph is Ralph. Yeah. I think that's. Yeah, I pretty much yeah, settled might, on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's all I have for uh, that episode. This one I thought was great. It, it really, like you said, Eric, we're about to hit you know uh, these next two episodes, which are straight up sort of MCU ish episodes where there is no more there's no disillusionment to what's happening now all the cards are on the table and now we're going to see we're going to see it play out and uh, I guess that takes us right up to uh, episode number eight last two episodes could be a movie cinematic yeah they really could yeah Uh, episode eight previously on directed by Matt Shakeman still written there's there's like 13 writing credits here but oh wow two are Laura Donnie and Zach Schaefer or Jack Schaefer. Jack, yeah. Yeah. So in the same vein as my previous one, this is Agatha takes us on a trip down memory lane to explain why all of these references are relevant. (laughs) So this is the second, like specifically MCU style MCU episode yes uh the first being episode four and really this is just a walk down memory lane to explain some of the traumas in uh, wanda's life to show us you know some backstory of a little bit more of why she and vision are a thing more than just is that paprikash yeah um (laughs) gives us a little bit of depth on that Shows us the scene that has been talked about multiple times about um, her parents and the bomb. We get to see, you know, how the interaction with the Mind Stone actually worked for her. Uh, we, and then uh, we end up in sort of the run up to the climax where it's like, this is my evil plan. Yeah. This is why I'm, this is why what's happening is happening. And we get a little bit of uh, exposition on, you know, we had a whole movie about, quote unquote, magic in, uh, they touched on it in Thor and those various movies. And then it really, when Doctor Strange came out, 
we got this one particular view of magic of how that particular sect of sorcerers used it yep what's interesting to me is that what's revealed in this episode sort of implies that similar to D, some people are born with magic and some people have to learn it yeah because it's implied that wanda was a little baby witch who got her powers woken up by the mind stone oh it's not even implied i would say it goes it's, a step further I yeah. would say it goes a step further in, uh, and I went back and I just, I cued the scene where Quicksilver and Wanda are speaking to Ultron and they are talking about the bomb and they say, and we waited for three days for Tony Stark to kill us. And that's contrasted against this episode where no, Wanda kept the bomb from going off for three days. Yeah. Little baby witch powers. Yeah. I mean, she changed the probability from a one to a zero. So suddenly it changes her origin. You want to talk retcon. She's no longer an infinity stone powered being. She had powers all along, which goes back to the mutant. She had powers all along. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's, that's really the first thing we come in. we, We start the episode in the dungeon with uh, the layer. actually bef- even before that the marvel logo comes up and it's purple dude yeah. oh that's right yeah because this is the uh this is the agnes the agatha episode right so which which basically is like agatha's in control on yeah that's it's that's a nice little like ooh, nice little visual cue for us we get agatha's backstory of like she's a young witch who is being tried by her own coven in the time of the Salem Witch Trials, which is an interesting twist on what is expected of that particular time period. But again, uh, it's, you know, take a drink from sorry. your, from your, uh, from their troposphere, but uh, it plays into that, that trope where, like, we've seen it before where you have a, a magic-using society and you have that person on the fringe who is like, you are being ostracized for using the dark magics that we don't yeah. touch. You practice the darkest of magic. You, you broke know, our rules. Yeah. No, I didn't. They simply bent to my power. Right, right. So this also ages Agatha Harkness. Does it ever. In the comic reality, she's... This is she's exactly withered what and old, she, yeah. Right, but she is... She's ostensibly like four or five hundred years old. Yeah, and uh, it's not as directly. They don't. They don't sort of situate the, uh, or do they? Do they reference the time? Is it the sixteen hundreds? If we're to believe, stamp on the scene. I mean, it's pretty on the nose that you get a, a witch at the stake and you're about to burn her. Like your mind automatically goes to the witch trial. So if we if we right. frame them within that sixteen. What did we say it was? 1620, 1680? 1693. There you go. Yeah. So if we if there we uh, place it in that sort of uh, framework. Yeah, she's a good three, 350. And I mean, the period close match, like it's it's very, oh, yeah. very on point. Absolutely. So we, we have that scene with the Salem witch trials. Her coven tries to kill her. She absorbs all their magic, ostensibly extending her own lifetime by their life force which is how she's lived through all this time. Uh, all the background magic crap that you would infer on your own from reading sure, any sure. kind of fantasy novel ever, that's what is assumed here. For the but, record, Catherine Hahn is uh, 47 years old. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so from there, we go back to the lair. We get a little bit of exposition from Agatha and Wanda. 
only a witch who cast the runes can use their magic. That's a thing so, from practicing witches. Yeah, too. pay attention yeah. to that one, boys and girls. <laughs> yeah, that comes up later. That's a big, uh, that's a big old Chekhov's gun right there. Yeah. Then she says, "Why don't we take a walk?" And she opens the door, and through the door is the Maximov family apartment in Sokovia. Yep. Which lends itself to that whole lair being like interdimensional possibilities. It does, doesn't it, though? Yeah. Or the place being yeah. a whole nexus of realities. Maybe, yeah. Nexus, yeah. The 2800 referent, well, that's Wanda's house, so never mind. Forget what I was about to say. All, all through the sort of second generation, third, or, or second and third waves of the MCU movies, yeah. time, time travel and dimensional travel and space travel is all done through hex portals. They're almost always hex portals. Hexagon-shaped portals, right? All through the uh, Guardians movies and the sort of the cosmic. Oh yeah, geez. The, yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh, so this apartment scene. Guess I'm watching Guardians where... today. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Sorry, the apartment. Yep. The apartment scene shows us where her love of sitcoms comes from. Her father used to sell DVDs for the family to provide for his family. Hey man, as some I actually really dug that because as somebody who's been to uh, Western Europe, where the bootleg CD and bootleg DVD industry was a real viable business option, I really dug that. It reminded me of being in Bosnia. <laughs> is this, is this Easter egg territory? Did you hone in on the the titles of the DVDs? I um, did. So they it was all of the shows that our sitcom episodes were based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really well done. Yep. So. Of course, Wanda's favorite is Dick Van Dyke, and that's why that's the first episode of WandaVision. So from here, we see, after we've dealt with all this origins of magic and all that stuff. So what I see here is a baby witch obsessed with sitcoms. We see the bomb that is constantly alluded to, the scene where, you know, we waited under a bed for three days for Tony Stark to kill us. Yeah. And we see them under the bed. We see the bomb in the, in the apartment, and it's revealed to us that Wanda hexed the bomb to not go off. Right. So, in reality, they were staring at a dud for three days, but um, the scene has some allusions to the beginning of Iron Man, where Tony Stark sees a Stark weapon come down right in front of him, and it causes his origin story well the same thing happened to the maximovs so and we see the blinking light and everyone who's who has watched this the full series remembers the toaster that's right yeah we hear the sound this is the one that sort of shows everything up like we've built frankenstein's monster now and we're getting ready to yeah oh yeah do you guys know uh do you guys do you remember Eric, you might not. It may be too early for you, but uh, for Hank and Andy, do you remember Steven Spielberg's amazing stories? Yes, I do. I really do. So you did. You, I got a real heart, a real sense of like the intensity that Wanda is like staring down the bomb is less of a fear thing, and it's more of a like willing it to happen, like willing it to not go off. Keep in mind, Steven Spielberg's. Amazing Stories was a vignette-style series of weird stuff happening. So very much like this episode, how it's multiple vignettes of like, oh, this is what happened here, and this is what happened here. But there's one vignette in particular, a World War II bomber crew, 
that lose their landing gear and they cannot land. And to make matters worse, they've got a, a man trapped in the belly gun and he can't get out. The hatch is like the mechanism is screwed up. But he was a cartoonist. And so he drew this cartoon of the bomber and uh, he drew in like candy cane legs for landing gear and donuts for wheels. And he just stared down the drawing. And by the end of the episode, the, the candy cane legs and donut wheels manifested on the actual aircraft. They were successfully able to land and get him out of the belly gun. And once they kind of snapped him out of it and he, huh? They disappeared and the plane crashed on the ground. But yeah, I just thought it was yeah. very it was very evocative of that vignette where he was like force of will. Urgh. Very cool. Nice grab. Yeah, sorry. Oof. Not that's to uh, sorry to mean to under... No, no, that's that's got some undertones of Wanda's will in the hex. Yeah. That, that you're t- really touching on hard right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So from here we go to Sokovia again. They're a little older now and we see good old Baron von Strucker, and we're introduced to the test chamber where Loki's staff is being kept. And we get a little bit of exposition from the scientists. Nobody's ever survived. Not one subject has survived. Do we actually see someone get kind of nuked by it in this episode? I think they only say, like, nobody's ever survived. No, okay, fair enough. And then Wanda walks in in her sort of. Carrie at the end of the movie. Yeah, like yeah. Tattered Night, nightgown. Clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And we see the Mind Stone comes to her. Oh, weirdly. yeah. And there's a whole revelatory flash of power. And this is, this is where we see that silhouette of a woman in a dress or perhaps a long coat. With the two little, you can just barely see the two little spikes of the crown sticking out up from her hair, and this is let's just call her ba- let's just call her Wanda Chantress, <laughs> <laughs> the mysterious witch-like figure. Yeah, surrounded in a halo of yellow light. In my opinion, that's the light of the Mind Stone. That's why I thought that it would. This was either future Wanda interfering in the past, or like a previous Scarlet Witch passing, you know, passing their power on through the, the, the Mind Stone. Oh yeah, like a passing of the torch moment. Because if the Scarlet Witch could either be a title yep. or it could be just the individual like Wanda is foretold of as the Scarlet Witch. Right, right. So it, it could be either or. Still not 100% on what which which one of those it is. But we see this manifestation of this angelic witch figure, and then she collapses on the ground, and nothing ever moved. The staff is right back where it was, and apparently all that happened was she walked in and collapsed. Well, reality warping. Mm-hmm. So. All this closed-circuit TV footage is gone. And yeah, yeah. A little bit of uh, back and forth between Wanda and Agatha. And really, this is where it sort of becomes evident that, yeah, she was something before, and then she really became something once the power of the Mind Stone touched her. Where'd you get the big guns, Wanda? Oh, yeah. You know, Agatha... Like a supercharging. Yeah, well, if you think about it, 
the the sorcerers they learn their magic. Yeah. Agatha was born with magic but had to learn to control it. And Wanda, she just does she's like the, she's like the Joker. I I just do things. When she said it, she said I oh, I don't is, cast spells. She says I don't care if she uses the word steal or I take I take gifts from those who don't deserve them. That's what Agatha. That's what Agatha says. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Agatha says. Yeah. But the Scarlet Witch at some point says, you know, I I don't cast spells. I this isn't magic. No, she's just I've always just done it. I didn't do anything. And <laughs> and th- and this is where you start to realize, oh no, you're using magic. You just do it naturally. Yeah, she's operating on a different level. Magic on autopilot. Yeah, this this is the sorcerer to D&D's wizard. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, some people learn magic and some people are just born that way. Yep. You know, maybe she's born with it. And if she maybe was, it's Maybelline. If it was yeah, mage, you're soaking in it. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if she was using her abilities to keep the bomb at bay, right? She uh, it doesn't track for comic continuity mutant powers, which manifest at puberty. Yeah, right. She's ten years old. There, she's too young for that. So yeah, I thought it was puberty or stressful stuff. or stressful situations. Or, or stress, yeah. yeah, that's true. That would stress be very stressful. Used. I would imagine they uh, they manifested X X twenty three's powers through stress. That's right. Yeah, and she was a lot so. younger. In the film, the the film version of X twenty three, anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So next up, I'm guessing Agatha assumes we saw Age of Ultron because she doesn't bother with any of that. Uh, We go straight to post Age of Ultron, and this is where we get the look at Wanda and Vision's kind of beginnings of their relationship. Yeah. uh, In Germany, walks in on her. Oh right! At the uh... morning, the loss of her brother. At the Avengers At the compound. compound, yeah. Yeah. And this is where we get that great... Interestingly, they're watching an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, and this is where we get that great line from Vision, what is grief, if not love, persevering. Yeah, yeah. Which k- kicked off Super some kind of grand controversy online. I don't know why. I think that's just a beautiful way of putting it. Like... Grief and grief management and pain and stress management is such a prevalent thing in our society today that to even try and sum it up with a pithy one-liner is pretty brave in and of itself. But to yeah, successfully but for one, do it? And so eloquently, you don't, you don't grieve for that which you do not love. Exactly. You know, it's pretty it's, universal. I mean, you don't. How many people have we lost in our lives that were just a name on a piece of paper or, you know what I mean? But I mean, you take it to something more personal and and then you start analyzing your own connections to it. And yeah, it's what he said is completely true. But what is grief, if not love persevering? Yeah, I I really love it that the the whole philosopher thing that Vision is pushing or and has pushed it admittedly throughout his whole presence but that, that line particularly had, yeah had a lot that whole warrior poet thing yeah yeah and then agatha says no we don't have time for that tell me how you did it let's get to the good stuff <laughs> uh, yeah so the next sequence is immediately following the blip 
where Wanda comes up on sword. So this, what this got me realizing is that in end game at the very end, you know, on your left, yeah. Wanda comes to the fight with Thanos having just woken up in Wakanda with vision's body missing. Is it though? Yeah. Yeah. Because they haven't been rewound yet. Thanos hasn't done the rewind. No, right. when she wakes up after the blip, it had oh, been after five the blip. years. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. They would yeah. have come in, taken years. the body, and yeah, I had a hard time sort of rationalizing. Where's the body? But yeah, you you like, oh well, there's a five year gap there. Oh, of course, a five year gap. Which where is the interesting king is to missing. me because that tells us that Sword has been to Wakanda. So I, I want to touch on that because this is where Vision's I get body has left Wakanda. Yeah, I I get a little bit. I got a little bit perturbed at that only because the continuity as laid out in the Black Panther went way out of the way to tell us about how advanced a society that the Wakandans really were and how idyllic that their way of life had become. So I find it hard to believe that there was a violation of Wakandan sovereignty to go and get the body, that somebody in Wakanda, whether it's Shuri or somebody else related to the tribes would not have dealt with Vision's body in a respectful way. Well, there is one small thing about that because if you recall, at the end of Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman is is about to be giving a speech where he reveals Wakanda to the world. I know he does that, but that doesn't that doesn't change the terms of their sovereignty as a sovereign nation. It indicates that they are now operating on a global scale. So of course it does. New, new treaties, new agreements, and it barely opens the door, but it does open the door just far enough. So does that, that mean that we're to believe... Vision's body could be a political thing. Are we to believe that Wakanda is now a signatory to the Sokovia Accords? The Accords, yes. The politics, not the reality. Yeah. That's the thing. Their sovereign disappeared for five years after revealing that they were the most powerful like technologically advanced culture on the planet, then he disappears for five years. No, I just think for everything that they did for Bucky Barnes, you know, essentially harboring a fugitive that they would have just said, okay, you can have the body, but not him. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's an inconsistency there that just doesn't sit right with me. And when you think of it too, he's made of how much vibranium? Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, something yeah, yeah. they're pretty sticky on. Right. And I mean, the, the world's largest source. Now, does the MCU make it the world's only source or the largest source? Because the, the meteor it's, strikes Wakanda. I think it's the only source because right. it, Ulysses Claw is said to be the only person to have visited Wakanda and escaped with vibration. So if anybody has a claim to the Vision's body, it's the Wakandans. Yeah. Yeah. There's in the comic continuity, uh, vibranium also exists in the Savage Land. Oh, Savage Land. Yeah, okay. okay. Oh, I can't wait till they MCU the Savage Land. <laughs> oh, I want a Jurassic Park Avengers movie. Yeah, I want a full length Kazar movie. Yeah, really. <laughs> so, yeah, that was now to get back to the actual episode. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to, to throw that off. No, no, no. Th- this is all relevant stuff. Yeah. And stuff that I wanted to touch on. But, uh, Wanda shows up at S.W.O.R.D. headquarters to try and claim the Vision's body, which means that in the three weeks between defeating Thanos and WandaVision started, she has had to go through the, the, the thing of, okay, where is his body? What happened? S.W.O.R.D.? Okay, where are they? And actually show up. Yeah, We've seen a little bit of this scene from when Hayward showed the footage, 
Yeah. But now we get, you know, the front and the back end of that, you know, we, we get the prologue and the epilogue to that scene where, you know, Wanda did burst into the lab, but she left the body there. Yeah, because Hayward, he yeah. That she took it. Yeah, so I mean that yeah. that puts Hayward back into that sleazy Thunderbolt Ross category. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm definitely Well, no, he does lie to them cuz he says she took them. Yeah. Yeah. So she drives from Sword to Westview, New Jersey, and the property deed is revealed for the piece of property, yeah. Or 2800 or 2801, whatever the Whatever the street is. name was, I don't remember. With uh with a little heart drawn on it yeah. to grow old in yeah. from V. So it's it's revealed why Westview. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And then we watch the birth of the hex because she, in her grief, yeah, totally right in the moment, her power. Yeah. So, which takes us back um, to uh, forget yeah. the past, control the future, right, yeah. or write the future. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, Wanda hears the boys, and she finds a way to escape from Agatha's whatever it is she's doing to go down memory lane. That's right. And she comes upon the uh, Agatha who's now in her full, like flowy purple witchy robe. Yeah. Yeah. Choking the kids with magic. And she does her little monologue of, you know, exposition where she's figured out that Wanda is the incarnation of a mythical figure. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Scarlet Witch. A being whole capable of... Dark yeah. <laughs> that makes you the Scarlet Witch. A being capable of spontaneous creation, and here you are using it to make breakfast, breakfast for, dinner, for dinner. Which is interesting, because <laughs> it implies that most magic cannot spontaneously create. Which sort of tracks because i don't know if dr strange well no dr strange does spontaneously create yeah, but when he it, refills thor's beer stein that's right yeah but even that in the could comics, be a summoning in the know. comics uh dr strange and and um scarlet witch are only two of the only characters to be able to wield chaos magic yeah yeah like innate casting you think there's some uh, there's some brewery out there that goes to tap a keg and they're sorely disappointed and they find out that it's empty <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. Stephen Strange has been filling Thor's mug. Transmuting. Yeah. Where's the beer? And uh, this is this is in. where this is where the end of the episode comes. That makes you the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And cut to credits. Yeah, yeah. The first um, yeah, full on like, okay, it's for real now. You are the yeah. Scarlet Witch. And then we get a mid credits sequence with a very major reveal that. Uh, well, if Wanda didn't take the body, where is it? Right. And this is where we get our first glimpse of uh, the white vision. Yeah. As he is powered on with the remnants of Wanda's hex power that was on the drone. The drone. That got sent in. Right. So, very, like, if this one was, an, again, the two episodes that I got, luckily enough... It's very much like straightforward exposition. Like we're going to lead you down a path and you're going to understand a lot of the stuff that you didn't in the previous episodes. Agatha's version of this is your life. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This one ranks up there with, uh, what is it, three, where we get the, uh, you know, they're watching the show from outside of the Hex. These yeah. two episodes kind of parallel for me, like in terms uh, of four. like four. Yeah, four, four. Sorry. Those two episodes are like, ooh, they're the ones that made me like, I guess giddy is the best word. The ones that made me actual like giggle, like, yeah, like cool. Right. Like in that total nerd moment, like, oh, this is what's really going on. <laughs> you know, they're pulling the curtain. Just yeah, a little exactly. Bit. Pulling back, piercing the veil. Breaking that fourth wall. Uh... So as far as Easter eggs go in here, um, the purple MCU logo is considered an Easter egg. Sure. There's the reference to the Salem witch trials, which gets flipped on its head. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's witches trying another witch. The Stark Industries bomb and the allusion to Iron Man being the, the start of the MCU. Yeah. Honestly, most of the most of the Easter eggs in this episode are... They're hardly Easter eggs. They're almost just plot points. Yeah. Well, you know, um, that, this is the thing. You know, as I watch these episodes and we were talk, you talk about Easter eggs and what is an Easter egg. And, and traditionally, I, I used to think, I say used to, because I think our perceptions of what they are have changed. Used to be something that was buried. Buried in there that only the, the keenest. Only the true believers. Yeah, would find. I think we're a little more loose with our interpretation of what an Easter egg is now, especially when you look at how big the Marvel universe is and what they can tie it to, whether it's their own comic books, the real world, and all these other pop culture references that are are creeping up, right? Like it just, so Easter egg can be something that simple, right? Did you catch the Dick Van Dyke episode that the Wanda and her parents are watching? It's actually the wrong episode. Is it the Walnut episode? She asks for 21, and the episode that plays is 20. It is 20, not the Walnut episode. Okay. I looked up the Walnut episode. Is there something significant about that episode that ties to the show? In it, Dick Van Dyke, his character wants to stay up late and watch a scary movie while his wife doesn't want to watch it, so she's trying to ignore the fact because it freaks her out. But the movie... yeah. Is about aliens who come to Earth. They're called the Twilo. Uh-huh. That's where Lucas got it. Yeah, and they're gonna they feed us walnuts that contain the chemical element absorbitron, <laughs> and the walnuts take away our creativity and our thumbs. Oh, the two things that get us into outer space in the future. So the huh. next day, the main character Dick Van Dyke finds nothing but walnuts around the house to eat, and he's not sure if his wife is trying to trick him, right, for forcing her to watch the movie. Or if the Twilightians have actually, have actually invaded. invaded. That has some significance. Well, the whole free thought thing. Right? Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. So maybe they, maybe it is a different episode. Um, I'm, I'm just having an existential crisis imagining what the world would be like if we all lost our If thumbs. nobody had thumbs. Yeah. Probably the biggest plot hole in the whole of the MCU, I'll have to say, is that Wanda's dad is selling Malcolm in the Metal DVD box sets. In 1999, yeah, when the show didn't air until 2000, that is and true. There's a lot of continuity errors, yeah. but you like... know, there was a piece though in the in uh, Assembled where they talked about that, and they they said, you know, we knew that going into it, but it it it's one of those things that they decided that they could overlook it because it was more important to uh, the development of the show. Yeah, yeah. So that's about it for eight. All right, I guess um, that uh, brings us we've to come the, a long uh, way. 
the finale. Here you are. Episode Wait, num- yeah, episode nine, the, the series, series finale. finale. This one I actually, <laughs> in my notes, I actually wrote, this is the MCU episode. <laughs> no sitcom references here. This one's released uh, Friday, March 5th, 2021. So uh, if you're listening to this uh, as of this recording, we're still in the month of March. So like I say, the show has just wrapped up not too long ago. This one is uh, written again by Jack Schaefer, directed by Matt Shackman. All right, for the third and final time on this wonderful journey we've been on, Wes's TV Guide says, Agnes, having revealed her true identity, makes a play to seize Wanda's powers, while Vision is confronted by a twisted reflection of himself. The entire family is about to be torn asunder. Will anyone survive the Westview anomaly? It's okay, you can laugh, because I am too. <laughs> oh, fantastic. I love it. That's good. I, no, I, I, I have a deep appreciation. Mm. What's, the, what's the line in The Lost Boys? The grandfather says, don't need to watch TV if you read the TV guide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, I Actually, you know, when you said that, Hank, let's write our own synopses, I thought, okay, this will mm-hmm. be fun. It and was fun, yeah. When I did it, I'm like, I actually was trying to put myself in the position of what was it like to be somebody who worked for TV guide? Is that what they went through every time? Cause not every show or every movie got a little blurb in the book. Cause it was only so many pages, but still you only mm. get one, two lines, three, if you're lucky yeah. to summarize, it's you know, an hour of, of TV. It's one of the hardest skills that they tried to teach me in comedy school was how to write a log line or a pitch yeah, and keep it, down to a manageable size. Yeah, and I mean my own my own writing style as for anybody who's a fan of our show uh, can attest to, my style is not short. <laughs> so this was a real exercise for me to write like these it. things, right? But I had a great time doing it, so so this is like I say, this is the MCU episode. This is the uh, the final battle as it were and everything's going to come tumbling down. Oh, this is the one where they have the sky beam, right? <laughs> so just just in the broad strokes, the big plot beats here are uh, uh, Agnes and Wanda are going to go toe-to-toe, and uh, Vision and Vision are going to go toe-to-toe. The kids kind of hang in the balance, and we've got Sword riding in like the cavalry here. This is it. We're going in. Going to do whatever they think they're going to do, which may or may yeah. not play out the way that they want it to, particularly where Hayward is concerned. Uh, based on Hayward's monologue, though, it doesn't feel very much like cavalry. No, it's, it's more like more, more of an invasion force. Yeah, it's more go. like a, a third element in a in a two prong battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was anybody and interestingly? Else... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just hoping that maybe uh, White Vision would have James Spader's voice. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, you know that's an interesting. Man. That's Isn't an that interesting awesome? thought. I've read a few people that online. That would have been awesome. That. You just didn't think it through. Funny you should say that because last night, uh, just as a, as I said, I upgraded my Crave subscription just so I could watch Justice League. And instead of doing that, because it was getting late, I found myself staring at the title card for Superman 4. And I'm like, oh, I, I t- turned to my wife and I said, have you, have you seen Superman 4? She's like, I'm sure I have, but it's been long enough now that it would be like watching it for the first time. And uh, when Lex creates nuclear man Nucle- mm. nuclear man has lex luther's voice oh yeah crazy yeah That's yeah right. he speaks like, he speaks in gene really. he speaks in gene hackman's voice That's fantastic. so it's was, it was interesting they put a little bit of uh, a boom and echo on it but it's yeah it's gene hackman that, 
That's not the Richard Pryor one, is it? No, that's no. three. No. Yeah. yeah. Four, so, four is the request for peace. Four is the one that Chris Reeve got really... So it, it had the smallest budget. It arguably is the worst of them all. But Chris Reeve was really behind it. He actually co-wrote the story for that one. He oh, was cool. really, really behind it. And it was uh, the disarming of the world's nuclear stock. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, you remember the plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, come get away from uh, Superman for a minute. Come back to uh, <laughs> WandaVision. So yeah, those are the, the major plot beats, right? And then the the battle plays out in a very typical Marvel fashion where like what we saw in Endgame where everybody got kind of got their little their little blurb where you had this little sub team over here is doing what they're doing and then this sub team is over here doing their thing mm-hmm. and it bounced back and forth like that with a lot of a lot of uh, sharp cuts back and forth felt so... very MCU like to me anyway This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by collectorsplatoon.ca CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorsPlatoon.ca today. You're listening to Fandom Power. as the vision fight goes it's very interesting that you have a like vision's mind fighting his body yeah the full color vision is a memory of what vision was and white vision is the remnant of what he was physical remnant and i like the fact that they fight each other but then at some point they realize like this isn't going to go anywhere and it just becomes a discussion about logic and the whole thing about uh boat like, is it still the boat? The ship um, of am Theseus, I still the vision? Yeah. Do yeah. I have? I don't have the memories of the vision. The it's... ship of Theseus, a study on existential reality. Yeah, yeah. I... And I totally called what was going to happen. By the way, I figured that Wanda's powers were going to recreate a memory of Vision, which would go into his dead body and become the new Vision. I, I, I had that picked out. Well, when I read the synopsis for the series, we could kind of talk because... about that in the in the where we think it's going from here because there's a lot of. Going back to the Wakanda thing, how much of the vision is sitting on a drive somewhere in Shuri's back pocket? You know, is that even relevant anymore with the memory version of vision unlocking the West Coast Avengers style visions memories? Is that even necessary anymore? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know either. And then we we have this sort of weird kind of, I don't want to say anything controversial, but monica versus the establishment basically when sword rolls up and they're like all right we're gonna take what we want from this situation and they try to take the kids and it's like okay i don't know how they're gonna survive outside of the hex but like she turns on the establishment and is like nah that's that's not all she actually takes a bullet for those kids several bullets actually yeah 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 we get to see her i believe that is a representation of her energy transference 
yeah so turn like different types of energy into light that i think is a now you can probably correct me better on this uh andy and hank who are more comic versed that is more now is that more photon or is that more spectrum does it matter it's probably more in line with her photon abilities. Yeah. But yeah. her photon abilities were her Captain Marvel abilities too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Change. I don't I'm not familiar with her as Spectrum as much. I dove in on the Spectrum piece, particularly around her and uh Ralph in the attic, where they're tussling in the attic and he's like, You wanna go another round? And she's trying to figure out what's controlling him. And mm-hmm. so by switching the visible spectrum from the visible spectrum of light through uh, what other spectrums she can see on she sees that the beaded necklace is enchanted and she goes for the necklace and that removes ralph from agnes's control i thought that was kind of totally different way than how wanda is operating like wanda is just effortlessly doing this and she's got to do she has to beat magic with science like a talisman or something you know like a an extra yeah an object an object yeah (laughs) a magic item well, yeah, yeah, that, exactly. That, that follows with the laying of the rune. Yeah, and, the, and she's got to place her magic on something or on someone for it to work. So let's drop back to episode seven for a minute when we we're in the lair. And is that the episode where Catherine Hahn says the the runic? Only the she, witch. Only the witch that casts the runes can use her magic. Yeah, touches on the yeah. uh, the uh, the rune thing. I thought that was the beginning of eight. Is it in eight? Yeah, I think that's in oh, the Oh, right. In the, in the, the lair. It's revealed. in the lair where yeah. she's being held prisoner. Yeah. Which yeah. really comes back to play in a major way in this episode with uh, Wanda intentionally. And I, oh. I watched the battle a couple of times to, to see if, because I was counting, like, how many sides are in a hexagon? Six. Six. How many energy blasts from Wanda miss? And how many of them, no, there's more actually, there's quite a few, it's more like a dozen, but how many of them are, at least six of them are intentional to cast the rune onto every side of the hex. As soon as she missed the first time and I watched it explode against the hex, I was like, oh, she's doing the rune thing. Oh, I didn't get that. I actually... I I picked it up the first time, but I I wasn't counting. When the reveal came out, when we actually saw the rune kind of materialize behind her, I was like, yes! Yeah. You know, in that kind of... Yeah, yeah, it was, kind, the, it was the big hero moment. It's kind of poetic too, how you know, again, going back to people complaining about the mirror match style of MCU movies, right? How Wanda ends up using the villain's power against the villain. Oh yeah. Instead of the villain using the hero's power against the hero. Right, 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 right. Like Wanda learns about the runes from her. She does the magic stealing trick at the end. Yeah. Like everything that Wanda does as the hero to defeat the villain, she learned from the villain. Yeah, that's so, true. That's so true. But at the same time, it, it throws it, back. It to, does. It uh, does. Yeah. Agatha being yeah. her teacher. And yeah. Technically, yeah, yeah. she's learning from her. Yeah. yeah she's no, the absolutely. And the if, adversary. If anything, it, on the nose, if anything, the, the runic lesson is not lost on her. No. You know, th- what what else she gleans from that we've yet to see but as she said at the end of this episode you will live here you'll need me well and i know where you are you know like she if she needs to come back she always can i just wanted to comment on the the final scarlet witch outfit definitely we can touch on that 
it's certainly she, uh... she creates this outfit that is it's got the crown and it's it's very form fitting and uh, a friend of mine pointed out like that's how you do sexy yep. without being sexualized without being trashy yeah sure the, it's, it's very form fitting and it very fully... clearly shows her figure the fully realized MCU version of the Scarlet Witch's character is yeah. as perfect as it could be. Yeah, it's totally awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Didn't realize it until, oh, I guess on the rewatch. The title card, not the title card, but the uh, when you go to Disney Plus and you queue up the show and you've got the, the preview image, all the television screens that are stacked up in front of Wanda and Vision in the screens show their MCU look. Including Wanda's, yeah. yeah. You don't get to yeah, see the yeah. whole thing, but it's there. You're like, oh, there's a little tease, and I don't remember it being like that in the initial. I'm pretty sure in the initial run, the yeah, yeah. They added one per episode. It yeah. F- uh, yeah, it felt like like that. That's funny. So we can talk about the the ship of Theseus thing. Whether that's uh, I don't know if that's really an Easter egg thing or not. It's more of a plot point, really. But the yeah. fact that the fact that Vision is able to again the whole warrior poet or warrior monk thing and how he's able to resolve the conflict they they talked it out i really liked that i dug that a lot i request elaboration in fact that might even be my favorite moment of the whole episode to be honest with you (laughs) it's pretty good uh thematically you know this episode let's if we go back to that 12-step analogy this one is the uh you know we've we've finally She's processed. She's uh, she may not be done processing, but we've now hit acceptance. So this is the big acceptance episode because this is where the 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 fantasy is abandoned in favor of the new reality, which is uh, you know it's prevalent throughout. Like even especially in their last their la- they meaning Wanda and Vision's last interaction before he's winked out of existence and talking right. about how you know. I've been a form without a, a body. I've been a body, but not human. Who knows what I'll be next? You yeah, know? he said he sheds a single tear. Yeah, there's the, in the, in the uh, comic. I can't recall which what it is. Anyways, it's the issue where the Avengers accept him into the Avengers, and sure, they accept sure. him because he's, you know, like this the Star Trek line where the Vulcan is the most human person. Uh, oh, right. Of, yeah, yeah. Similar it's, to that, where your humanity and your compassion. Yeah, is why we're letting you into the Avengers and he walks off by himself and he he sheds a single tear, which is, that's exactly what it reminded me of. Even an Android can cry. That's uh, that's Avengers 58. You got it, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Do Androids dream of electric sheep? Oh, and that's coming. Here we go. Uh, Yeah. So what's the line? There's a line where he's like, maybe uh, who knows where our our next, you know, we'll say hello again. We've said goodbye before. Yeah. We will say hello. We'll say hello. And so you, you're left with this, like, Oh my God, there's, there's gotta be a meeting of the minds, whether it's West coast style vision is going to go off and reconcile himself with his intended purpose versus what not proto vision, but uh, uh, visions vision, Wanda's vision. We'll call him, we'll call him that. What Wanda's vision. Yeah. Yeah, what that version is, and and like we've already sort of alluded to, like you know, be, not be, living color. Yeah, <laughs> because of the Mind Stone, there's an argument to be made that Wanda's manifestation isn't a hundred percent a manifestation of her creation. That there is a portion of the real Vision in there because of the Infinity 
the Mind Stones energy. Yeah. It's a nice way that we can get Paul Bettany back as the actual vision without being the actual vision. We have said goodbye before. We'll say hello again. It's, it's said often, uh, you know, not, nothing scientific, but that you you live as long as you're remembered. Yeah. Uh, and so what she, you know, they're literally her memories, giving life to her memories. And that's why he was so uh, screen accurate, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Really, really admired Paul Bettany's acting in this episode. I had no idea until I watched Assembled. I had no idea that his his head, besides the basic color choice for makeup, was 100% CGI. Had no idea. I actually thought there was a lot more prosthesis involved in his uh, in his his character but not uh, not so (laughs) yeah 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 a bald cap and and a and a bulk color but there's a really subtle difference here in the in the facial expression where west coast style white vision has a sneer yes and it just makes him just ever so slightly wicked you know to use the the magic uh, reference villainous i guess well, he's got a good line when he's got wanted by the head. I was told you were powerful. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I was told you were powerful. That's a fucking scary line. Which and is totally. Oh, your boyfriend and your ex. Oh, yeah. The same party. Which one will you choose? Like, yeah, there's so right. many little good lines in this. It's a... Referring to a, cor- a reanimated corpse as your ex is yeah. a little tacky. Yeah. <laughs> tacky or not though it, it just it works though it's evocative yeah oh for sure for sure so i mean along I'm... with the uh the the grief component right and the the acceptance i think one of the other themes i think that we see in this one is that you know this is the episode that that tells us or reminds us that no matter what choices we make there are always consequences you know Wanda as a villain was always at at question throughout the entire episode. And on some level, by the end of this episode, when she's leaving town and everybody's staring her down, you know, there's there's a bunch of people there that are are never going to view her as anything else but a villain. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a very uh, Twilight Zone. We've talked about this on the on the show before where perception is everything, you know. So you think about what those people's perceptions are of having been, uh, you know, mental prisoners for the past week. Week, yeah. And Monica yeah. even says it like they will never know what you've what done you've here. done for them. No, they won't. They'll never know what you sacrificed for them. It's unfortunate. It's uh, what's the word? It's bittersweet, I guess. You know, because we as the viewer know. Yeah. Uh, you, mm-hmm. And you want you you want so badly to like you, you know it's the yell at your TV moment. This is so fucking bullshit, you know. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's not though, right? Can we touch on Jimmy Woo for a second? Yeah, of course we can. Hey, it's my favorite member of the bureau. Uh, well, Hayward is doing his villain monologue about you know when I'm done, they won't know that anything else yeah. is happening. What I tell them, he's handcuffed and he steals a cell phone. But could this be another throwback to maybe magic lessons from Ant-Man where he picks the lock pretty goddamn quick? I actually, yeah, yeah so I have that in my list of Easter eggs, actually. That's, yeah. that's a great one. A little bit of sight of hand. I said uh, Jimmy Jimmy getting out of his handcuffs with a flourish. 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 Is a nod uh, to learning stage magic that he uh, gained an interest in having had to babysit Scott Lang. <laughs> it's also the line that Vision uses when he's, drunk and does the one trick flourish yeah 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 <laughs> it's like because jimmy's watched the show i think it's also commentary on how 
you know, you have to be careful what you say nowadays because everybody's got a, a microphone or a camera. He, he steals that cell phone and he's like, yep, keep talking, bud. Oh, yeah. Implicate yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for just, sure. For sure. Just, I'm not recording you. He does have a good acting bit there against uh, the Hayward character when he says, you know, uh, you're bluffing. And his delivery of the line. Am I? Am I? Am I? Is really good. <laughs> it's actually um, really good. Yeah, talking about my friends from Quantico might have something to say about that when they get here. Inside the hour. Within the hour. There, yeah, there's a there's a loose reference when he calls the FBI. He He's talking to somebody named Cliff. Mm-hmm. There's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in exactly one story in yep. the comic books whose name was Cliff Randall. Yeah. Um, so it's probably just a coincidence or it might just be one of those like... Or is it? Nudge, 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 wink, wink kind of things. Because if they're playing um, on that, the actor playing Jimmy Woo is Randall Park. Yeah, it's Randall Park. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the story that Cliff Randall was in had some had some alien type uh, overtones to it. So I just want to say I want I I'm totally in for the Jimmy Woo TV show where he and Darcy are basically the MCU version of uh, Scully and Mulder. <laughs> Oh boy! Like, I'm down. I, I'm I do so it. in for that. That Take might my money now. That might be enough for me. I was never an X Files fan, so it's a bit of a stretch for me. But because those characters, while well, Jimmy particularly being as charismatic as he has been throughout the the series, I would definitely give it a, a give it a try. And it's a good way to tell the stories about things that are smaller. Like you know, maybe this could be they could do some Ghost Rider stuff. That's you know aside from Agents of Shield that doesn't involve or, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> or or Swamp Thing, or you know those those weird offshoot characters and happenings yeah. that well that Man Thing if they did go after him yeah would be interesting because he is also a Nexus being yes no it's true what about that most recent uh, the recent run on uh, with Cosmic Ghost Rider you know is there a, a chance he could show up later on down the road somewhere. Maybe. I don't even if know. They run out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where the film rights of that character lie right oh. now. So there's uh there's sort of leaked rumors that the uh the two twins shot scenes for the multiverse of madness movie too. I want to talk about that particularly because this is where uh again, if I can come back to the whole Mephisto thing. Maybe you know what? Uh yeah, we'll talk about it right now. At the end of the episode, we've dismantled the Westview anomaly and Wanda goes off in her own grief. We say our our metaphorical goodbyes. Everybody goes off on their own way and we get the Wanda sailing away into the blue. And then we get our post-credit scene. Wanda on the front steps of the cottage. She's making tea or whatever. But meanwhile, she's astral projecting herself, studying the Darkhold. Very yeah. Stephen Strange, right? How he learned his very magic. Very Stephen Strange. There's another so, thing here too. Two of them. At the same time, she can hear the boys calling for help. If the boys are not, so that tells me that and this is why I've really laid into that whole like there's a higher power at work here. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. this ties directly back to the to the comic influence that the the boys are Mephisto on some level. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think Seems that... like a trap. There's another cool moment because this is the last chance at an Easter egg. Yeah. And we know that the next product that's coming out with these characters is going to be the Doctor Strange. The Doctor sequel. Strange film, yeah. Um it's not lost on me that 
Sam Raimi, who is the director of that movie, yep. uh, started his career by filming a movie in a cabin. Oh, wow. Evil Dead. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Nice. He also directed Oz the Great and Powerful. So, And there is another mm-hmm. reference to that so in there, too. So I've got a bit, yeah. So oh, we have right, that. Right, with the Agnes, uh, Agatha's the, boots. The boots under the car. She throws the car couple. on her, yeah. Well, not yeah, only that, that, but uh, the Coronet Theater, when it's cycling through, one of the movies that pops up is, is Wizard of Oz. Oz. No, it's oh, Oz, Oz the, the Great and Powerful. Powerful. Okay. Oh, so another meta reference. Yeah. Oh, right, when, that's, when things <laughs> yeah. are starting to unravel. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes, you're right. Do you guys want to just do a rundown of the references in here? Yeah, Easter eggs. The Wizard of Oz moment with the boots under the car. Jimmy's flourish. Astral projecting around the dark hold. And yeah, and Monica uh, using her spectrum powers to reveal the enchantment of the beaded necklace. Okay, yeah. What do you got, Eric? Uh, well, for this entire episode, Wanda has gone back to her creepy, twitchy hand gesture thing mm-hmm. that she was doing in Age of Ultron that yep. she hadn't done since. Yep. Which I thought was really cool. Um, going back to her slightly more villainous origin. Uh, she did do some of that in Endgame. Just a little bit, but it yeah. wasn't as prevalent because she wasn't as prevalent. They hired a choreographer to come in on the show and work with her on that to actually to develop the hand movements. Yeah, they showed a little bit of that in the uh, assembled yeah, yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff. The Scarlet Witch is fabled to be more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. That was the throwaway yep. line at the beginning there. Yeah. Um, the tiny cabin in front of the mountain, that's probably Mount Wondagore. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Right? I would say yeah, yeah. so. What else do we got here? Um, Vision sheds a single tear, like we said. That's a bit from Avengers 58. Yeah. Yep. Uh, even an android can cry. And uh, it's been reported that the actors who played Billy and Tommy, you're right, they did film scenes for Doctor Strange. It's been confirmed. Oh, good to know. So that's pretty cool. The man cave. What is this stuff? This is my man cave. That uh, Ralph Boner is hiding in. Yeah, Boner. <laughs> Looks suspiciously like Quicksilver's basement. Yep. From <laughs> yeah, from the uh, yeah, that was yeah. on my list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is funny. Was there a pinball uh, machine um, in there, or an arcade machine? Maybe. I think so. <laughs> um, nice. Agatha was actually living in Ralph's home. Agnes doesn't live here. You do. So that's why yeah, I it, guess was, so. it, it was his home that she was living in. Yeah. So that's why she kept referring to her husband, Ralph. So yeah. Yeah. So does, all the way back to that on. first right, right. episode, you know, Ralph appeared June 2nd. Uh, this is actually the third time that the dark hold has been shown. Uh, it was shown once in agents of shield and once in runaways, but apparently uh, they, they had a different look yes, in those that's correct. appearances. Yeah. But it's an evil book, so it could easily be an evil transforming book. Or maybe those yeah, shows don't really belong in the continuity. Well, I mean, but let's it. face it. As I, as I said in the preamble, the promise, the promise that was made was not what we got. And that's universal yeah. across every Marvel show, whether it was yeah. ABC or Netflix. They kind of did, and they kind of didn't. And it wasn't what they told us we were going to get. And then the last one, this is a little bit of a reach, but uh, Agatha is is standing in front of a billboard at one point sure. for a cl- cleaning product called Squeaky Shine. Yeah. Which is boasted to have an all-natural formula using the power of Mother Earth. <laughs> so the author of the Darkhold is said to be the demon Sathon, which yeah, is from Sathonic, but it's also uh, sometimes just 
means things that are of the natural world. Right. And Persephone ruled the underworld at the side of Hades. Right. Persephone was the god of the earth and the earth mother. So it's another loose connection to Mephisto. So Scython, too, I just wanted to, I thought you were going this direction, but it's just an addendum to what you're saying. It's uh, the Darkhold was used by Scython, who was an elder god. Uh, you know, they have different tiers of gods in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. He used Wanda as a pawn because he wanted to invade Earth. So he used her as a portal Yeah, to send demons to Earth. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that everything so, you got, Eric? That's that's literally everything I've got on the list. Um, All right, I got a couple. Oh yeah, uh, Hank, go for Hank, it. Go. Hank. I got a is it Tommy? Which one is? Uh, yeah, Tommy steals a sword agent's hat and yeah. uh, glasses, just like um, Pietro does in the X Men movie. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry if anybody else says anything. I'm just no. Go for scanning it. Scanning through things. Well, I got one for you. Yeah. Uh, when do it. just before she locks. Agatha back into the Agnes persona. Yep. She says, I'll be seeing you, which is a reference to the show, the prisoner. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. That's really cool. Actually. That's deep. Were either of those people. In, I, I don't know that show. So I don't know fully, but uh, okay. Uh, the classic show, the prisoner in which a former secret agent is forced to live a perfect life in a creepily oh. prefabricated town. Right, right, oh. right. So there's the whole uh, 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 Stepford Wives, uh, Pleasantville, everything Everything is fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hank, did you find what you were looking for? No, I no. didn't. You guys okay. go ahead. So I let's, think, should, I think we, we all uh, want to finish with the big one. Yeah. On the Before we one. jump in the big one, though, should we talk about the second cutscene? Yeah, sure we can. Where Jimmy okay. shows up, the hex is gone. Yep. Uh, Monica gets asked to go for a debrief. They say they want to meet you. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go in, and lo and behold, the agent turns into a scrawl. Yeah. Now, do we have a name for this character? Uh, I don't have one. I didn't either. I didn't think there was I don't anything think there she's yet. a. I don't think she's a specific scrawl. She's just a scrawl agent. There was some dis- some talk about uh, her revealing herself as a scrawl in the theater. Does that add a layer? to the implication of why Monica is summoned to the theater. Now, I don't know. To me, I think, you know, watching it again, it just, it's like, oh, they're expecting you. And the theater was just an empty building. Right. Because they're not staying in Westview. No. No. So there was a thing I read that suggested that the theater might actually be a conduit to the sword station in orbit. Could be. I don't really, uh, I don't buy into that. I think that would be too coincidental. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a little bit too much. Just to finish off the previous point, yep. uh, the scroll yep. tells her, a friend of your mother's wants to talk to you, and then points up. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. Space, moon stuff. <laughs> yeah, basically. But they don't exactly drop Nick Fury's name, they but They don't, it's but are we, yeah, so are we all in agreement that it's Nick Fury? No. It's, yeah. It's, so, Hank, what are, what are you thinking? Carol? Captain it Marvel? might be yeah. Captain Marvel. Okay, so yeah. that's the Captain other one. Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, there's a huge, I, there's another dropped arc. Oh, it's not a dropped arc. We probably haven't got there yet, but I mean, if we're going to do the X-Men properly, Carol yeah. Danvers weighs heavily in the oh, classic no. 80s oh, X-Men right. continuity. That's right. Where she, she actually is possessed by Rogue. Yes. And, 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 and Miss Marvel's powers transfer to Rogue. And then, then Carol Danvers becomes the Herald of Galactus. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. character binary. And well, so 
I mean, so that can overlap with, um, you know what I mean? I'm getting at now. Galactus is a, is a big yeah, baddie. Yeah. No, I totally or, see what you're saying. How you can organically so it's weave a gateway. It. Like we start to really entwine things. And if yeah. I'm the guy that's writing this yeah. new wave of stuff, I'm, yeah. I'm pulling those threads heavily. I don't see why you wouldn't. That, that, yeah. That's a nice organic way to pull it all in. One of I, the things they did poorly in all the X-Men movies, especially the third one, was Rogue was just a, like a, an emotional yeah. teenager that could steal your 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 feelings, like I, not the the no. just crazy powerhouse no. that she was in the comics. Yeah, so yeah. not not watch, to, watch the cartoon. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Not to dive on the X Men too much, but I always said that the the Logan, the two thousand one X Men, the the Logan Rogue relationship in that film was more akin to the Wolverine Jubilee, Ju- Jubilee relationship. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's what they were doing there. And I mean, yeah. I know that you don't know how long these things have legs, and they were experimenting with superhero movies in the in the nineties to see oh, what yeah. they could push and do. And so you're trying to jam as many storylines into a thing as possible. You know, one of the things that hurts my heart in terms of X Men stories is we're never, sure. or probably not in my lifetime, going to get a really good version of the Dark Phoenix saga because we've tried it twice and failed, and I don't think they should club <laughs> it again. But it is the best comic story ever yeah. told. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of that one too. I'm also a big fan of Age of Apocalypse, which also did not get a, a, a fantastic treatment. treatment. Yeah. Um, mm. But you know what? Again, like the the Spider-Man uh, Homecoming film in the sense that, you know, we don't need to do the origin all over again. Maybe there are ways within the confines of the MCU as it exists that we can get those stories in some form, you know, that won't take away from the, the uh, what's the word, the weight of them, uh, but not have to give us all of the exposition that we already kind of know certainly you could reintroduce the second wave of x-men by having the krakatoa storyline the krakoa storyline of the living island capturing the original x-men and not have to do great exposition with with backstory and and just have you know characters we know but at their genesis but you don't have to bog the each individual character no. down with how they became that character we just we're familiar with colossus we know how heroes are made and, right and so <laughs> we just hit the ground running with their new uh to the to the to the reality but yeah. here's their mission and we're just going to hit the ground with you know trying to save As the old a, x-men that we're also familiar with and they could even be the old x-men they sure can yeah. from yeah from that timeline as they've said Um, uh, that you know the intent is that ryan reynolds will not be recast and he will continue to play deadpool in the mcu doesn't mean that some of those side characters that we were introduced couldn't be pulled over as well particularly colossus and the juggernaut you know they're they're shining examples of you know those characters done in a in a very credible way there's a scene in and I don't know, maybe I'm just, I have to watch it and watch it over and over. There's a scene in WandaVision where the episode where Monica wakes up, she bumps into somebody in the hall and they like make a big deal about him covering up who he is. Oh. And to me, it looks a lot like the actor who plays Iceman. Oh, the X-Men um, oh, I just saw him in something recently. Oh my Lord. Uh, he's a twin. <laughs> is he? The actor is actually a twin. He's, oh, a Cana- he's a Canadian too. Oh my Lord. What's his name? Uh, go back and watch that guys though. And yeah, just yeah. for a split second, I probably draw grasping at crazy straws. And I mean, there is archetype to people <laughs> and actors, but yeah. Okay. Perfect. 
Um, I just want to point out one more thing before yep. we move on from this point. Captain Marvel got brought up. Carol Danvers is an awful, terrible person. If you've read any of the comics in the last 15 to 20 years, she is a selfish, arrogant, conceited, like all of her power went straight to her head at at some point. Mm. She was actually the quote unquote villain for the second Civil War series that was done. So she's she has become she has risen and fallen multiple times. Yeah, but and I mean, let's her current incarnation in the comics is a yeah. terrible person. And I realize that at the MCU, like she was the first, you know, female superhero to get a, a solo movie and all of that jazz. But I, I would point out that other characters like uh, Jessica Jones got her series. We got a Miss Marvel coming up for uh, Kamala Khan. We got She-Hulk coming up. She-Hulk. Yeah. Which I really hope is just a courtroom procedural with a green lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) like, there are are going to be a lot more strong female influences. Sure. And just on a personal level, I'm not a huge fan of Captain Marvel as a character. Just because of a lot of the things that they've done with her in the comic. Well, I mean, I realize that they're separate continuities. If they can present, if they can present Steve Rogers as an agent of Hydra, whether it was real or not, and until that reveal came out, people were buying into it. Then Carol Danvers can be a horrible person for a while. It doesn't really. We mentioned when we just took a break that like turning that hail Hydra thing on its head. Yeah. In the in Endgame was possibly one of the greatest coups oh yeah in marvel's history yeah yeah i hated that storyline hurt my heart lots of people didn't <laughs> did not uh like it but that is again that is they're learning but it's also create this is the thing right and i don't want to get in get into the weeds too much but it's this whole like i'm gonna frame it around the the coronavirus which is impact you know countless people is really wreaking havoc on the film industry, right? The way that we're telling stories, the the way that we're conveying those stories, it's changed. And, uh, you know, I don't even know where I was going with this. It's just like, oh, <laughs> all the fan outcry. And I, I'll, I'll say this, all the people who said, you know, like, oh, Steve Rogers, you ruined my childhood. Listen, buds. It's a comic book, and you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna say that a a storyline in a in a work of fiction ruined your childhood, what kind of childhood did you have? Yeah, you're yeah. not living your you life, know, my friend. Right. At the so, same time, there are a lot of people that did live inside those comics. I am not going to dispute that in any way, shape, or form. We yeah. we all attach. I know what you mean, though. We all attach I, to the media properties that resonate with us for different reasons, and right. when those reasons are drastically subverted there's that word again but when they are subverted like that when when the when the tone uh, is changed when the the character trajectory is drastically changed it is off-putting and uh, but that but that makes those art those make you feel something but those redemption arcs the redemption arc on the back end of those makes it much better you know so sometimes you and not every storyline is gonna is gonna hit. You're not gonna have a winner with all of them. So no, exactly. So how about this? Uh, 
about this theater? Yes, let's crack on with the theater. So this is a good one. The theater marquee, as we close out the episode, uh, reads, Tannhauser Gate, put the fun in dysfunction. So the Tannhauser Gate, this is a clear reference to the Roy Batty character in Blade Runner. So if yeah, you don't if you don't know anything about Roy Batty, Roy Batty was played by Rutger Hauer. This is probably the best film role the man has ever had. And I I'm a huge I'm a big Rutger Hauer fan. I am raising the roof for him presently. Roy Batty's a replicant and he cites he's got this huge monologue to Deckard at the end of the movie where he talks about things that he's seen. And the Tannhauser Gate, although it's never expressly, you, you're never actually told what the Tannhauser Gate is. Presumably it's some kind of uh, intergalactic portal like we see in some of the, mm-hmm. like in Guardians, when they need to travel long distances in space. Sunrises on Delphi. Yeah, sunrises on Delphi. And then the idea is that the the reference to the Tannhauser Gate not only draws comparisons, you know, really towards... Like, does it does it draw a comparison between the baddie character and Vision as artificial life forms? Well, they're both synthetic people. On some level, that, it does. In in that moment, accepting their death. It it. So here's another thing, right? The in Blade Runner, there are certain replicants that had particular memories installed within them to make them believe that they were real people. That's right. You know. So again. To me, that that draws a comparison to, you know, is the white vision the real vision? You know, is that a reference? The the whole like, is he or isn't coming he? back to Pinocchio? Man. It's yeah. the it's the Theseus experiment again too. Boy. It is how much of the old parts do you take away and replace before it becomes something else? You know, one of the, my favorite parts about that scene in Blade Runner is that a lot of it was ad libbed. Oh yeah, the they let him go off. They he, just let him go off. He didn't and, uh, read. He did not read the script as it was written because he felt that it was there was some. I think he, the words was boring, so he mm-hmm. dropped the boring parts and emphasized the parts that he thought were more relevant to his character. But let's talk about the memory thing, right? Because again, Batty, uh, by the end of the movie, is is very clearly. I mean, then that whole the whole do androids dream of electric sheep is. Is Harrison's Ford character, is he a, a replicant or not? Well, right. there's no question. Batty is a replicant. We know that. But the idea that he'd, he's one of those replicants that may have been, you know, uh, these memories. And, yeah, that he's a real thing. Doesn't take away from the fact that he's lived his life. He's had the experiences that he's had. Mm-hmm. And then again, you know, the, the analogous reference to, you know, the Wanda's vision unlocking the the memories of the the white vision it's very analogous to this oh like do are, are the memories enough to to convince him that he's the real deal so i find that one super deep and yes. uh, i loved it <laughs> and those themes you know and even stronger in the novel yeah android dream of electric sheep the philip k dick novel that blade yeah. runner is based on yeah that are the central themes of vision of vision. Oh my God. I'm check off for a second there of, of visions character. Vessels. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> of, of visions vessels. They're indicative of, of his arc here and especially of Roy Batty's final moments where yeah. he ostensibly becomes human. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what, what Vision's last moments are about. And West Coast Vision's birth, if you will, is about. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm curious to know, and this is just me, this is pure speculation stuff. The next time we see this character, because I am fully convinced there will be a next time, will he have metamorphosized? Will he be less chunky and more smooth? Will he revert to the classic green and gold? You know, do are we going to see him as is in, in the next? Because I think that the the metamorphosis analogy. I don't think we're done with that yet. I think this is alluding to that. There's more development for that character. Who knows what he'll be next. Right. I think there's a, there's a couple of things you need to consider there. The first, of course, being budget, which vision is easier to animate. (laughs) Like monochromatic between, (laughs) you know, what it costs to turn Paul Bettany in white vision, as Mm. opposed to colored vision. Sure. It's, there are also questions of, you know, if you're trying to, if, is there a message that's being sent? Are we going to send a message? Are we sending a message we're not intending? Uh, there's a whole bunch of sticky, sort of titchy little real world questions yeah. that will have to be answered. Personally, I think they're going to stick to white vision and he's going to be a version of vision. He, he, he might, he might not be so philosopher when we see him the next time i'm a little more idyllic on the the notion i i think i think you are correct to a point eric i think that there will be a a period of time whether that's a film or two or three or even even an entire phase as as the the, the phases with vision it's going to be similar and I'm I'm going to just speculate here when we talk about uh dr strange and the multiverse of madness what are the chances that the multiverse of madness is a direct reference to Wanda's madness and her mental uh, breakdown that may or may not be completely resolved? You know, the the idea that she's going to go off the rails again, it's going to be on a galactic level, and the thing that's going to bring her back is the vision and their love. I think the multiverse of Matt, like I know that we're we're looking for things. I know Wanda's in it, and I know yeah. that... that- it has a lot of connotations just in the name, but I think that it's more about what was referenced and it referenced twice in Endgame, And that's how they were viewing the, the, the repercussions of them traveling through time. Yeah. And the way that, that basically when, when Banner learns from the ancient one, yep. how it works and yep. tells them, no, every time you time travel, you don't create a paradox. You create a new reality, a branch reality. Yeah. And so the multiverse of is is they what they've done is through trying to set things correct, they've created all these other realities. Yeah. And that we're going to get versions and I, and I think that's where it stems from that conversation and that sort of cut and dry way that that the Hulk smart Hulk says, "Nope, this is the way it works. You create new realities." Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And and I think that's what that that's what we're doing is we're getting and it, certainly it could lead to to Wanda being that character that manipulates all the realities or is yeah. pulling from them. Or, um, certainly, we're we're moving away from the first generation of heroes. Like we know that the next iteration of the Avengers, Avengers is going to be similar to the second iteration of the Avengers, right? Where you had Hawkeye, where you had Wasp, where you had uh, the Vision and Scarlet Witch, where you had right. you know Wonder Man, you had. Right. So it's we're moving into that sort of 
second phase of the comic Avengers, which sure, are sure. all those characters. Yeah. And so they were elevated. We're bringing all those characters up to the Tony Stark and Captain America and, you know, tier. I want to ask the question. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, with regards to the, the the credit scene with Wanda on the mountain. Yep. There is a Wanda outside drinking tea. And then we are shown a Wanda inside with her legs crossed, reading the dark hold, doing whatever she's doing. Yep. Right. Do you think that those are the same Wanda from our world splitting herself? Or do you think that Wanda has already reached across the veil and pulled another version of herself in? No, no. I it, she's, she's straight just, up astral projecting. Yep. Same as Doctor Strange it's, was yeah, doing. Yeah. Speed Doctor learning. Strange astral projecting. Yep. Okay. I agree. Fair enough. Fair enough. Valiant effort though, sir. That was where my brain immediately went is like, oh, she's already breached the veil. This is where the multiverse is like being confirmed. Like she's pulled another one of herself in. Yeah. It's a good thought, but we just finished putting her back together. So if we're going to shatter her again, it wouldn't be immediately. No, it would have to be over the course of something bigger. And that's why I kind of, that's why I kind of leaned into the Dr. Strange thing. I'm going to take a, I'm going to take another left turn. And I'm going to talk about the the upcoming Spider-Man. We've all been following that, like with bated mm-hmm. breath, with yep. all these casting announcements. When we're pulling from the Raimi verse and then the rebooted uh, Garfield. the Garfield Spider-Man, like these concepts all lend themselves to a a collision a collision course where they're going to collide in some way. Like the everybody's like, oh, we're going to get a live action Spider-Verse. That may be, but is it going to be framed in the bigger context of the multiverse of madness? I, I absolutely, I think so. That's got to be the overarching theme for right? sure. And for I sure. think that the existing Spider-Man uh, multiverse movie, uh, the animated, uh, is was an attempt to see if that was going to take. We'll call it the test bed, and it's <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah, it really one was. One thing it did for me that the comics didn't do was it let me uh, really understand Miles Morales as Spider-Man because previously I didn't find any of the Miles Morales comics got me in my feels the Compelling way Peter enough. Parker's yeah. did. And that movie let me let me let Peter Parker die. Oh, wow. Good let, for It let yeah. me, I was okay with it. I was okay with that because I felt, I feel like Peter Parker more than any other hero is, I don't feel like he's Spider-Man when he pulls on the mask. I feel like that's, Yes, yeah, but I feel like he's always Spider Man and he's always Peter Parker. Yep, you know where, yeah, like he's a, he's a lot more Superman. Although he's like sort of the Genesis hero, he's the opposite of every other hero. Sure, where he's Superman and his secret identity is Clark Kent. Yep, and you know Batman's secret identity is is Bruce not, Wayne. Is, is a real person. <laughs> I've always felt that there was no division between Peter and Spider Man. Yeah, they're the same person. So you had if you're going to put somebody else in that costume, I, I like. Call him the Scarlet Spider. Call him Webface. Sure, you know, sure. And it, it bothered me to my core. And people were like, "Oh, you're racist, or you're homophobic, or you." And it wasn't that. It was that that Peter is Spider-Man, and right. I was unwilling to accept another person because it's not a mantle to me. It's it's yeah. synonymous with the individual. Although and that I will movie say, like... let me let me go. No, there's another kid. There can capable. be. Yeah, sure. sure. There's yeah. another person capable of carrying that truth forward. You could wear the mask. I really hope that the Spider-Man multiverse stuff comes true. Cause I, there's two things I really want to see. And one of them is I can't wait to see Alfred Molina 
I think back that's been confirmed. Doc yeah, yeah, yeah it's he been is confirmed. I can't wait to see it. But the other thing is, if they do make a, a live action Miles Morales, that might that means we might get to see Donald Glover as the Prowler. Oh yeah, I guess so. Eh? Which because he was already confirmed, he's playing Aaron James. Right, right, right. In the Homecoming movie. I gotta tell you, the biggest, uh, the biggest Spider-Man uh, uh, grab for me, outside of classic Spidey, was Spider-Man twenty ninety nine. I really dug Miguel O'Hara, and I, I love that character. So any chance that there, you know, we'll get more of him in any way? I know that it was alluded to in the uh, in the animated yeah, he was film. In the post credits uh, of yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a really bad PS. Three game. <laughs> yeah. Was there a skin? Jump back. Well, you, you know, you just jump back and forth between Spidey twenty ninety nine and Peter Parker. That game wasn't that bad, actually. No, there's, it, there's I mean, two of them. Yeah. One of the one of them was him. It it was just twenty ninety nine and regular Spider Man. Sure. But the other one, you got to play as Ultimate Spider Man in his Venom suit. Oh, crazy! And you also got to play as Spider Man Noir. Oh, I feel right, that, right. The uh, the one I was referencing, I felt would have been better as an open world free swinging game, but it was that's true. Of, yes, it was a level based scrolling side scroller reminiscent of games from the eighties. Ah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, well, guys, we uh, have taken a crazy amount of time, uh, much longer than I had anticipated uh, to, to do this. But at the Star same Wars time, all over again. Well. It is, but it isn't, because unlike the Star Wars episode where we actually recorded it over two sessions, I mean, you won't you won't know this until you're listening to it, but uh, this has been one exceptionally long recording session, but I have to say, the conversation was very organic, oh, yeah. um, and it felt really, really good, so... Um, Dude, I could sit and talk nerd with you guys for days. Let's just close it up here, and let's just... Uh, I opened up by saying, you know, we're going to take a look back and see, you know, did the show live up to our expectations? So now that we've, we've run the gamut, we've, we've talked about all nine episodes and we kind of talked about where it's, where things might be going. Let's talk about our expectations being met. I'm going to start with you, Eric. What do you think? Did you think that WandaVision met, exceeded, did not live up to? Where are you at with it now that it's over? I will say that it exceeded my expectations because I had none. I came okay. into this expecting not to like it. Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised. Okay. And I think that the show has done an excellent job of bridging what we know. Yep. In, into a mysterious future that we can yeah, only that we don't speculate know. <laughs> about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and great. Speculate we shall. Yeah, yeah. Hank, what about you? It blew me away. You know, guys, how I felt about it in the first 10 minutes. Yep. So it, it actually blew every expectation I had out of the water because, I mean, I didn't have many, but I didn't know what we were in for, and I had completely written it off. I'm, yeah, yeah. I can't apologize enough to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it, it took me, yeah, it grabbed me by the uh, short and curlies. Right. And, and I, I was along for the ride. Sure, sure. Andy, what about you? Where are you at? Loved it. <laughs> you know, I can always count on you for like the succinct yes. <laughs> you are stoic as hell. I, I do dig it. Yeah, I'd seen the trailers and I kind of had an idea what was coming at me, and it slow burned right into what I was hoping yeah. for. So. Yeah. If this was a D6 Star Wars game, you would be a laconic scout. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you, I, uh, 
subversion was the biggest one for me. And I, I think that's why I made it one of my, uh, one of my, my talking points was like, were you subverted in, in, in this episode? Because yeah. it's such a, such a pervasive thing throughout the whole series. And like I said, right from the beginning, sitcom Marvel, I don't know how that's going to work. And then that first episode kept me guessing from the beginning to the end. And I was that guy who was train wreck. I can't look away. It's so bizarre that I need to see this through. And right. boy, am I ever glad that I did. Yeah, it's a true story. Well, guys, over nine episodes and I don't know how many minutes of television, we've had one of the most unique uh, storytelling experiences of the MCU. I certainly enjoyed it. Any chance that uh, you guys think we're going to get another season of this sometime down the road? Maybe. I uh, no time almost soon, guarantee but... it. It was It's crazy successful. Yeah. It depends on the fallout of you know this next phase and how they want to reintegrate Vision. That's right. perfect. That's a perfect framework too, Eric. It's exactly what I was going to say. If if by the end of Phase Four, there's dangling plot threads between Wanda and Vision, that's a great uh, springboard for a second season to uh, to bring them back together. Certainly, if we go in the we go full sail into the multiverse of madness, there's nothing to prevent future seasons of the Wanda and Vision show to be Wanda and Vision from another reality and that probably done correctly, that would be suitable. Yeah. 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 You know. Well, we've already seen some loose tie-ins. We've only had one episode of uh, Falcon and the the Winter Soldier, but already we're starting to see some overlap because it looks like the uh both series are kind of picking up at a similar uh point within the MCU timeline. So uh, be curious Very to cool. see. Be curious to see if those two shows uh, uh, intersect anymore or or stay as they are. They probably won't, but it's good to Thematically, know. Thematically, they're already over. Well, yeah, exactly. In terms of the um, these, like I had said off air earlier during one of the breaks, that they they both are about soldiers after war dealing with their trauma. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, which plays into the pandemic people are going to have to deal with the trauma I've, of this I for found a while that for, i don't want to get into it now because i think we might want to talk about it in more detail later but i felt strongly that they, they they are capitalizing on the chaos on earth in reality with covid19 and they're using that feeling that we all have to mirror the feeling that the general population of the mcu has after the the, the return and i think that that's, yeah that's what they're I really got that sense where Sam kept saying, you know, things are different now. Things are different now. And if you haven't heard anybody say things are different sure, now, sure. you've probably been quarantined too long. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> nobody, nobody anticipated being, you know, in a state of the world as long, as long as it has played out. And so when you talk about a television show, which is, you know, uh, at least a network television show where the writing is fast and fluid and it can be like, yep. you know, week to week. WandaVision was laid out uh, like a year in advance, if not more, but then coronavirus came along and changed everything. Right. So that doesn't mean right. that doesn't mean that things didn't change. And we know that Falcon and the Winter Soldier was actually supposed to be the first show, and it wasn't. Yes, they opted. Now, they opted they, for WandaVision for whatever reason. That's right. So um, it, it is now it's chronological too because uh, uh, WandaVision is about three weeks after the blip yeah. return yeah. and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is like eight months to a year. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope you did too. We've uh, spent a long time, which uh, hopefully by the time you've listened to this, it's probably going to be two, three, three-parter. <laughs> <laughs> 
As always, there is lots more to come from us here at Fandom Power uh, as we continue our journey along all of our favorite fandoms, and hopefully some of yours too. Uh, There is always hope for more Marvel stuff as we love it. We're definitely going back to Star Wars, but uh, don't forget we're working on some other stuff. If you want to come along with us on those rides, might be going to Eternia here pretty soon. Um, Stay tuned to the show because we love what we're doing and we hope you do too. So that's it for me, guys. Anything else you want to close on? We're done here. That's good for me. Wash your hands. (laughs) Stay tuned. Uh, Stay tuned. (laughs) All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch you next time. Until then. Excelsior. Excelsior. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that, so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready... Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?